I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone services chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more, all for the fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make calls. Great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack, N-E-X-T-I-V-A dot com slash 12pack to get started. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous two-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling advice with William Hills' Max Meyer. This is Brian Conger, simulcast. Simulcast, we're coming at you uh, not only on the podcast forum, but also on our YouTube page at Sharp College Football, where all of Rob's awesome videos are up and going through the top 25 teams from an advanced statistical uh, standpoint. And today, we're going to stick in the Pac-12. We're going to talk about spring football. We're going to talk about Washington. We're going to talk about Cal and Rob. How are you, sir? I'm excited to talk both these teams, but I just uh, just again, it's like we're we're inching towards, uh, you know, like uh, the a regular college football season. I, I just couldn't be more excited. <laughs> I know it's 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 super interesting for me because uh, just diving into these teams and just getting into the nitty gritty of the rosters and just the turnover. And now we have the transfer market to cover. There's just so much stuff that it just like. I kind of, you know, I got my first take of it. And so now I'm like scrounging anywhere. I was actually looking at like NFL draft podcasts because I was just like sports, <laughs> sports are the best. So uh, I, I reined myself in from there and brought me back to college football. And uh, we've done real deep dives on Cal and Washington. Now, this is more of a spring practice, spring football question type of podcast. We'll get into depth on both of these teams later. Rob's breakdown of Washington is already posted. So uh, lots more to, to dive into with both of these teams. But for right now, we kind of just wanted to go into both of the programs and kind of some questions that we have coming out of spring camp. I know that Washington is the, kind of in the middle of their camp right now. Cal, I believe, is at the end of it. But we've been reading up on both the teams and the rosters and all that stuff. So, Rob, do you want to start with Washington or do you want to start with Cal? Uh, let's start with the Bears. Interesting team this year. And we kind of said the same thing last year about them. But uh, I think even more so now, we have uh, obviously the return of Chase Garber. So I think the, the quarterback position is set. Uh, I guess a quick question for you. What do you think about Garber's? Like, I, I'm still really optimistic about him. I'm, I, I'm curious what the offense is going to be. And that's one of the questions I think I have going into spring. But, you know, it seems like Garber's is either always hurt um, or always good. <laughs> so, I, you know, like, so I'm hoping he puts those two together. Are you as optimistic about him as uh, some of the other writers or as pessimistic as, as I've actually heard a couple people pretty down on Garbers this year. And I don't quite get that. I, I mean, he falls, I mean, I, I hate to sound like a, you know, wishy-washy. He just falls squarely in the middle for me. You know, I mean, okay. he's got, he's definitely had some good games, um, but not great games. You know, he's had some bad, I mean, and he certainly had some bad games as well. Um, you know, the, you know, pro football focus had him graded out at 74 last season. That's of course, in, in, in limited data, um, you know, they, I, I think he's certainly an improvement over, you know, what they were running out there, but it, it just, it feels like with Garbers that I, I'm not sure that, I mean, if you're counting on Garbers to get you past Oregon or Washington, like this year, I, I don't know that that's going to be there. Um, that said, like he's, he's fine i mean the I mean, honestly we talked about this like the pack 12 as far as like returning qbs is so barren he's, he's in the top quintile 
Right. I mean, like Garbers is Garbers is a name that you really have to have in your top four quarter. I mean, that's a, it's stunning to say that in the Pac-12 that you might have to have Garbers in the top four quarterbacks in the league. But you you really, I mean, I think you could maybe have them at five. But you know, there's there's not a lot coming back. Um, you know, that has any you know you know proven performance and Garbers. You know, for what has been really under Bo Baldwin, a, a non-functional offense in a lot of ways, he's been decent, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and I, I would argue he did beat Oregon last year and now it was a bizarre yeah. year and it was just a crazy year all around for Oregon in general, uh, in limited time. And I, I think we saw the wheels of the Bill Musgrave offense starting to crank up by the end. I was pretty impressed actually with what he was able to do against Oregon, just moving the ball down the field. Now, a lot of people can move the ball down the field against Oregon yeah. last year, which was a, a surprise to everybody, but still, um, he was able to do it also, uh, on the year, 700 yard, eh, almost 800 yards, 62 and a half percent completion rate, a two to one touchdown interception ratio. So I do think like if that's if that's him in a weird season i'm really interested to see what he is coming into this next season because i do think he can kind of carry an offense uh to a, a decent extent like i'm not expecting him to be you know a second round draft pick or a third round draft pick but somebody that can just competently move the ball down the field make some throws when he needs to and i guess like the first question i have going into spring is what is this offense because uh, I don't think we were super impressed with what we saw in the beginning. But, uh, you know, the first game Cal had was a Sunday afternoon game against yeah. UCLA when their defensive line basically was was almost all off of COVID pauses. Um, the offense looked disjointed. They weren't able to practice. And uh, over time, like I, I thought that by the time they played Oregon, I said, OK, I'm, I'm kind of getting a better feel for what this is. Um, and we certainly know Musgrave's going to want his tight ends to play. They just recruited a really good kid, uh, a really highly, uh, you know, recruited tight end um, out of this year's class and have some other options. I don't know. What, what do you think about the offense here? I mean, I, I want to see what this is going to, I mean, I thought Musgrave in a lot of ways, I mean, for not having necessarily time to install his offense and really get enough reps in, I thought they were decent, right? I mean, the, uh, you know, they're, they didn't have a big run pass split. It's really hard to tell, you know, if they're going to lean into one or the other, um, you know, they were, they were decent. I mean, the, 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 the numbers for the sort of sub overall beta rank metric numbers are a little volatile because they had so few games and the pac 12 itself had so few games. Um, but they were more efficient, you know, in drive efficiency than they were explosive. That's certainly something to sort of keep an eye on is like, are they able to generate more big plays coming in the next season? Um, but I mean, I think Musgrave certainly an improvement over what you were running over with Bo Baldwin. Baldwin, I'm just not. I can't, like I'm just not. I'm I'm still not sure. Like I mean, do you feel like you got a a real good handle on it? Like there's some pieces you like. I also don't feel like that they have as like. I guess what worries me with Musgrave is I don't know that they're going to you know come out and necessarily have the kind of like offensive identity that you had with the Sunny Dykes or that kind of thing, and that's fine. Um, but it, it does feel like a little bit still where you kind of look around here and you can see something like you could maybe make something out of the pieces that you have, but what is it going to be? Right. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways this could go, including right down the middle. And for Cal, I mean, to be frank though, Cal, I mean, if they can get to, you know, in the forties offensively in beta rank, that's kind of a win. I mean, it's a lot better than where they were. Right. I mean, that's still a kind of middle of the road, not great power five offense, but Considering some of the range that they've been offensively under Wilcox, uh, that would be a win for them. Yeah, I, I think I think it would. And uh, I think Baldwin, we were both high on the Baldwin, higher in the beginning. That ended up being a disaster. It kind of shows you sometimes uh, what you see on paper at Eastern Washington or whatever school it is that has a high-flying offense. Just depends, right? It depends on the person yeah. and whether or not they can install their system. It'll be interesting to see whether Musgrave can do that. He has some interesting pieces at the running back spot. We've always been pretty high on Christopher Brown. Then he has Marcel uh, Dar uh, Dancy. And then a couple people... Uh, below him chris street was a four-star kid that came in as a running back damian moore somebody they like in spring camp so i think the run game will be there the biggest yeah. question for me is can they put that pass you know attack together their wide receivers i just have not been impressed with they they lose mackie poke uh their number two wide receiver to transfer they still have kakoa crawford who is fine nico Ramigo, who's fine um i think it's going to be the young kids can they really step up and, and, and play 
Hunter is somebody that was a top 50 wide receiver. They did a really good job recruiting this year, some pretty physical wide receivers, but can they put it together in a new offense? Like I would still call this a new offense just because such yeah. a limited practice during spring, only four games. And one of them really wasn't like a real game. It was like a scrimmage. Um, I don't know. I just, um, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're able to like, there are some interesting pieces here and I think it'll be more cohesive than we saw. It's just, you know, relative to every other team that they're going to play. Um, I don't know. I, I, do you, do you see them getting in that top 40? I, I could see them hanging 40 around 45 to 40, but that might be the ceiling I think this year. But, um, I don't know. Do you think they can get past that like 40 ish beta rank advanced statistic level? I mean, if they did, that would be a really, I mean, that would be a big win for them. I mean, it's, man, I mean, getting into that, getting into that sub 30 range, you know, where you're talking about maybe having a top 25 offense in college football, really at that point, like a, a slightly, you know, a little better than average power five offense. Um, that, that would be tremendous for Cal because the defense was okay last year. I mean, they were 28 overall in beta rank. They certainly could have been worse. That's not a great number. That's middle of the power five, but you know, you couple that with, you know, where they finished out at number 14 in special teams. Um, and you've got a decent squad. I mean, beta ranks got them projected at 30 overall. If they're able to, if they are able to get into that sub 30 on offense number, you're actually talking about a team that could, could, you know, be within a touchdown, you know, of, of Washington and Oregon, potentially by the time those matchups come around, I think you're right to call out the running backs. That's the real strength of the team. They were a little better running the football last year than they were throwing the ball. I, I, I think if they are able to run the ball effectively, I think that's really going to be the key. And if and if Garbers can, you know, move around and add enough with his legs, uh, as well, right? I I think that will certainly help. But it is hard to. I still feel like I don't have it. Like I, we talked, about, I don't have a great feel for what schematically they're going to be trying to do, how they're going to be trying to attack teams. You know, I mean, it feels like with Musgrave, you're talking about like years ago when he was in the pros, right. Of, of trying to like discern something. And I still don't feel like I got enough out of it. What uh, we saw from them last year. Well, I hope it's the Jermaine Terry show. Who's a, a top 10 tight end that they signed this year. Um, I think they're going to try to line up some two tight end sets and, and run the ball, but also try to throw, I mean like, and that makes more sense. Cause it seems like that was more where, where Musgrave was coming from in the beginning anyway. Yeah. And then you add the fact that you have young talent, but your older wide receivers are kind of just there. Um, I mean, now they're better, they're a better athlete than anybody in my family will ever be, <laughs> but <laughs> relative to some of the talent that we we've seen out there, I think I would put the older wide receivers at Cal kind of at a, with a limited upside there. So is, you know, are they going to be able to trust the younger, younger players to come in step in um and then it's it's also whether or not they can protect garbers i mean he's been injured a couple times they uh cal loses their top left tackle and uh it was interesting their their uh, offensive line coach they brought in really for recruiting reasons he hasn't right. really been known as a developer of talent can he put it together I, I i mean the track record isn't there but i don't think their offensive line was a disaster last year i, I don't know what did you think no, and, and Pro Football Focus said that line graded out at 42 overall. Um, Michael Saffel was their best graded out, and he's, he's you know their center, and he's coming back. Um, yeah. So there's there there is some decent talent there. It is a question, of course, with the offensive line coach, which has you know who has such a great reputation as a recruiter, not necessarily as a position coach. You know, and for, you don't you don't have to necessarily have a great offensive line to win football games if your quarterback can process and get the ball out quickly. Um, as well as you can, you can scheme to, 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 to run the ball, maybe not terribly effectively, but to some effect. Um, but I, I do wonder, you know, like this line are, the, you know, are there, are you going to see any regression this year? It was something we were worried about last year. Certainly now it'll be two years, um, you know, under the new O-line coach. So that, that, that is a little bit of a concern and watch out coming in. I mean, and it's tough too. I mean, last season we were talking about ever the reason everyone and their mother was so high on Cal, right. was like, they have so much returning production, but like every, everyone does right. This season, right. Like there's no, there's yeah. almost no, I mean, other than like Alabama, BYU, some others, like everybody's got great numbers coming back for the most part. Yeah. And when we take a look at the line, if it can be a cohesive unit, I mean, I, I just think, it's not going to blow the socks off of, of anybody. I guess the yeah. one thing that, that 
we can say is that there are going to be a couple tight ends there and some of them are going to be able to block. So at least you have a little bit of extra protection out there just because I think the nature of what Musgrave's going to try to do this year. So, you know, throw that in there. But let's get to the defense because I think that's the more fascinating side. And let's do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Live radio commercial breaks. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're back. <laughs> We're talking Cal football. Thanks for everybody uh, that's watching us. Um, and if you're listening to us, obviously we have the commercial break here. Um, getting into Cal's defense, the first thing that we should say is there was a really devastating injury to Cal. That's Brett Johnson, who got injured in a car accident. And he was, we talked last year, Rob, about Cal really needing a nose tackle and somebody to fill the spot. Well, they used Brett Johnson, who actually is more of, of a beefier defensive end than a tackle, but he was talented enough and came in as a high recruit where they were able to kind of at least try to plug that hole. Well, he's gone, as is Luke Paquette. They lost Deontay Johnson, who uh, went to, to the NFL. I think he's an undrafted free agent. So, man, I, I think they're really going to have to rely, Rob, on some names that we haven't seen really quite do it yet. Aaron Maldonado is the nose guard. J.H. Um, Tevis was fine last year. I just, man, uh, one of the things that we we were kind of harping on is the fact that, like, man, that that defensive line for Cal has kind of been a little shaky in the last couple of years, and that might be yeah. the case again. Yeah, I mean, they really struggled stopping the run again last season. They finished at 51, an effective rush, number six, an effective pass. Um, I mean, that's that's a big that that is the concern, really, if you're this Cal team, right? I mean, the, the fact that they, you know, in this three man front, they don't have anybody that can play two gap effectively. They struggle to keep the linebackers clean. Of course, Evan Weaver's not there to clean things up as much anymore. Uh, it it certainly does feel, you know, like this this team. It, I mean, it's got to be frustrating. I think if you're a Cal fan to feel like you're coming in yet another year. This is like the third year in a row where you're walking in and saying like, man, how are we going to stop the run? Like, I mean, how are we going to stop interior, you know, A and B gap run? Yeah, I guess the one thing is they, they at least have been recruiting some bulk. So Aaron Maldonado, Stanley McKenzie, Ricky, I think it's Correa, um, all pretty big dudes. The the, the yeah. second two being more larger than uh, Maldonado, but he's bulked up. You know, Tevis is more in that 280-ish range unless he's really, really bulked up. I'll have to go back and double check on him. But there is there is some beef there. It's just you can be big and slow, <laughs> you right. know, or you can be big and devastating. And, and it's just really a question of whether or not, you know, they're either or in between that. And I think that's going to determine whether or not you can run on Cal like you have been able to in the past. Uh, one thing to keep a lookout for is they did recruit fairly well at the end position this year. I think they scored like three top 30 defensive ends. So um, but defensive ends are not defensive tackles, Rob. Right. Right. And some of those guys may end up switching. I mean, you know, in the system, you know, in a three, four, they could end up as a three, four outside linebacker, you know, rushing the passer, you know, so I, I mean, I, I think that there's still room to be excited about the defense. I, I'd be surprised with Wilcox there if they take a tremendous step back. I'm still, I still need to see Sermon put it together in a normal year. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, and the, the defensive backs have been pretty, you know, pretty good, you know, and consistent. I, Again, I, I want to see this, you know, the data over a, a full regular year, you know, so take that number six ranking with a little bit of a grain of salt. And I just, I, I think that this, this defense is still going to be, you know, worst case scenario for Cal is this, this defense is still pretty good. You know, they're, they're still a top 25 defense and a lot of, you know, and, and that, you know, it, it is a question though, of like, do they have a real obvious weakness that just, you know, is a thorn in their side the whole season, which is, you know, stopping the run. Yeah, and it might not be giving up giant explosive plays. It might just be, can you run five yards on Cal all of the time and just yeah. slowly bleed them to death? And I think that might, if that happens, that that will probably be the case because I do like their linebacking core. Uh, they moved uh, Coney Dang to the outside, which is uh, Hithliday's, you know, sipping his tea like Kermit the Frog yeah. on that. He's been banging his spoon on the table for about a year and a half on that. Um, and they have some interesting people there. Uh, I think it's a uh, 
Mulu Ayasefa was somebody that was a pretty a fairly recruited uh, freshman that came in and he did pretty well uh, playing in his couple games. They have Evan Tattersall that comes back. Cameron Good is is going to be fun off of the edge. So I, yeah. I think like I don't think they're going to give up a lot of like explosive plays, but I just gosh, I mean like if you can just keep moving that ball at a five yard clip over and over and over again, then it makes your secondary have to get a little bit antsy. And I think that yeah, the safeties you know, have to come. You got to bring your safeties down and then you are going to give up a big play, right? Like, and, and you'll be vulnerable to, I mean, play action works even if you're not running the ball effectively, but if you are running the ball effectively, Cal's going to be very vulnerable to play action. Deruder goes to Oregon as a defensive coordinator. Yep. Um, and then somehow they are able to, uh, to may, maybe it was a package deal. You get Deruder, but you have to take Marcel Yates as your secondary's coach, Oregon. <laughs> I think that might be it. Um, but I do think that, the like i'm just i'm just a little down like i, I guess it's more of a wilcox bet if, if you're bullish on cal you're betting that wilcox himself is going to drag this defense forward because he's been a defensive first coach i think he's done a pretty good job developing talent like you mentioned there is some really there's interesting pieces here i mean elijah hicks returns to safety uh, uh they return some interesting corners but Man, I, I do I do have some doubts on Sermon, whether or not he's really the guy there. And I was kind of disappointed at uh, what Cal was doing in order to try to keep, I guess, cohesiveness. I don't know. Can you explain that, that, that it was like some Cal fans were like, well, it's actually a co-coordinator. And then they're doing this and Deruder does this. And I'm like, well, why didn't you just make Deruder the coordinator? I, I don't get it. <laughs> what, what was, was that, Rob? It was so strange. I mean, the, 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 the Cal fans that sort of... Um, disputed my you know the our take on it right that you know that trading for sermon was a bit of a downgrade was that you know they were you know deroder wanted to be a head deroder wanted to be a head coach again and you know they wanted to be ready for that transition and i'm like well how does he get to be a head coach if he's i mean if he's not your dc and play caller um you know like it's not it it felt like i mean sermon is is um known to be close with Wilcox. I mean, they're, they've, you know, they've been tight for years. Um, you know, so it, it did feel a little bit like, uh, you know, somebody promoted, I mean, it, promoting their friend, if you will, for the, for the job, but Sermon was just so bad in, in Louisville and in, in Mississippi state and Starkville. Um, you know, perhaps Wilcox wants to give him an opportunity to sort of rehab his reputation, uh, you know, as a play caller, um, but it, it was just an odd, it was an odd trade. And then you end up with Druder going up to, to Oregon, um, yeah. which is, you know, it, uh, for, you know, his track record as a coach is a, you know, pretty, pretty good hire really. I mean, the, the Cal problems have been much more personnel than scheme of late. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. Uh, and, and the defense so was, was, oh, it's to say the defense ended up grading out Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was only four games and one of them was like, again, like a, like a recess right. game, but I I don't know. I want to see a whole year of this. That That's what I really want to see. Yeah. I mean, I want to see Sermon with, you know, an entire year of the PAC 12 having tape on his tendencies. Right. I mean, the, 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 I, I do think it often works out where if you have a, if you have a head coach that really knows one side of the ball, they can often, you know, put it together. That side of the ball is going to be fine, but man, sometimes it doesn't work. I mean, like Mike Gundy's Oklahoma state offense has not been good in, in the last two seasons, even though Mike Gundy's background is offense, right? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, where people just say like, Oh, Wilcox has got it. Like, yeah. I mean, you have some confidence with that. Right. But like he, unless he steps into call plays, if things are really going South and, and he could do that. Right. I mean, having Wilcox on Wilcox on staff, I mean, just like having Jimmy like at Washington gives you that luxury, just say that, yeah. you know, but it is, it is. I mean, there's, I still, if you, you know, if you were making a trade for, you know, DeRuder Deruder or Sermon, I would take DeRuder, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I think most people would. Oh I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think again, I, I think this Cal team is interesting and the ceiling can be kind of high on them. I think you yeah. mentioned them being within a touchdown or, like, of Oregon or of, of Washington, you know, if all of the pieces come together they do have some interesting talent to be able to do that. Uh, I guess it's it's the play calling. It's is the quarterback going to be consistent, which I actually think he will be. And yeah. are are they going to be able to put? I, are they going to be able to put up enough points to have to deal with a team just slowly and methodically driving down the field? 
And yeah. if they can do those things, then they'll compete for the North. But the depth also isn't great. So if there's a couple injuries, particularly on the defensive line, and knock on wood on that, um, now now we're talking. I think that's the difference between Washington and Oregon and Cal uh, right now. Is I do think that both teams have a, a better ceiling with their starters, but the depth for for Cal isn't quite there. Um, but I do like look. I mean, I think that if they're able to kind of keep things together, this is an interesting team for the next couple of years um, yeah. with Cal. Uh, so this might not be their year, but if they kind of jump up and they're in that mix of the top three, I think that's a lot to be excited about if you're in Berkeley. I mean, what feels what feels tough with this Cal team, right? It was like it was it was really built on just incredible coaching and player development, right? I mean, those guys that they took, you know, off of yeah. that Sunny Dykes defense were no star dudes basically. I mean, they were, you know, they, they turned a lot of them into, you know, either, you know, I mean, guys that may not be, you know, like a full on NFL draft pick, but guys that, you know, when they come on, might get an, an invite to a camp. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, which is great. Th- yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing from where they kid. were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You joined an offensive powerhouse where like defense was the afterthought and you're like, Hey, I got invited to the bills camp. That's great. I mean, it's <laughs> Buffalo, but outside of that, it's pretty good. Um, uh, you know, and I, and I think that's, uh, you know, but there, what, that, I mean, that, that's hard. I mean, that is a hard, hard thing to maintain and they've had some sneaky turnover, right? I mean, their, their defensive, you know, backs coaches off to the NFL, the Marcel Yates, who we weren't in love with, but you know, he's off to Oregon you know, you lose, uh, you know, Deruder and you've got, you know, you still got Sermon there. Um, you know, you certainly still have Wilcox there, but I mean, like part of what made it work was that I, I feel like they had, you know, across that, that first staff he hired on the defensive side, a lot of, you know, sort of gear sort of working together to, to, to make it work that, you know, they, they don't have the luxury that Oregon and Washington have of rolling out, you know, what are four or five years of top, you know, 20 recruiting classes, you know, and and in Oregon's case, like the last couple have been top 10, you know, top five recruiting classes occasionally. So, you know, they don't have the top end talent there. They still are going to have to really develop players. And that, that it, it feels like with Cal, as you talk about with the depth, like it just feels like they're, it's a thin line for them, I guess you could say. Yeah. That, that, that first defensive staff Wilcox put together was awesome. Um, You know, you have secondary coaches in the NFL, you have the defensive coordinator going on to Oregon. And anyway, so kudos to him for doing that. Let's hope that the staff he has now can kind of keep that going because they're going to need to in order to be competitive. Um, right. Anything else on Cal before we go to Washington? I mean, the, the, I'm interested. We're not doing the, the full schedule previews yet, but I mean, they do go to TCU early on, um, which should be pretty fun to watch. I mean, they get, they have, and they have a, a, an early game against Nevada who, the offense did start to get it going for the Wolfpack a bit last season. Um, and they run a version of the air raid. They've got Hal Mummy's kid as their offensive coordinator. That should be pretty fun to watch. We're not going to find out hardly anything about Cal's run defense in that game, but <laughs> that should be a fun matchup. Um, and then that TCU offense, they, they will rely on running the ball a little bit more uh, in particular with Max Duggan. So uh, at QB, the, I, I, that should be a fun matchup to see. I was going to say, if, if, I mean, that, that TCU-Cal game, if Musgrave's offense Oof. isn't there yet, it's kind of like no, she's a bull 2.0. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> right? I mean, if the offense is sputtering. But that's true. I mean, like, if Garbers, you know, like, if Garbers can just not turn the ball over, Cal's probably going to be in a lot of games, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Unless they're giving – well, yeah. I mean, uh, particularly if they're giving up five-yard five chunk runs and stuff, you know, seven-yard, yeah. five-yard, five at least they'll be able to score to try to keep them in that game. So anyway, fascinating team. It's one of the teams I'm more interested in this year because I think we have a handle on some of the other ones, but certainly not Cal. So uh, looking forward to checking them out. Let's transition over to Washington because technically the Pac-12 North champions, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> it's kind of like they'll put the banner up. I, I, I'm sure that they will in Seattle, but uh, what a, what a bizarre year that we had last year. Uh, I mean, the, the thing that comes right off the bat is, is there a quarterback fight? And it seems like the answer is probably no. It looks like it's still, and they lost a lot, right? They lost Ethan Garbers, uh, Jacob Sermon to Central Michigan. Um, they bring in Patrick O'Brien, who started uh, for two years at Colorado State. So I think that's interesting. But at the end of the day, I think Dylan Morris is probably going to be the guy, Rob. And 
that doesn't really strike me with a ton of confidence. I, I think that his numbers looked better than the way that he played. You know, 61% completion rate, which is fine. 900 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. I just, I don't know. I was watching that offense, and I, again, short year, all that stuff, but it just didn't strike me as, man, this is the guy that's going to lead Washington to a playoff spot or to even win the Pac-12 championship. Does that make sense? Yeah, because those counting stats came against two of those games were Oregon and Oregon State and, and Arizona. I mean, yeah. Like, like pad, pad your stats. Everybody get them in because those defenses were bad last season. Um, no, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I feel like it does it does feel like particularly frustrating, I think, for the way that Washington is recruited in the QB room in particular, where you were looking at you know, you know, nobody below a four star, you know, some former, you know, uh, you know, in, in Eason, you have a former five star, you have, you know, you do have Sam Heward, you know, coming in, you know, that they're really high yeah. on, but it just, it just still, it, it feels like guys go into that recruiting room, you know, highly touted, highly regarded. And you're thinking, man, Washington's just loaded at QB. And then the whistles, you know, blows and, <laughs> and you're like, uh, okay, this works, I guess. I mean, and that's what it felt like with Morris, you know, like Eason certainly had more of the sort of wow, physical tools. I don't think the offense worked really well, you know, under Hamdan. I don't think that was necessarily on Eason, but Morris, you know, I just, I I just felt like the, you know, the offense last season, um, they didn't have to show a lot. I mean, they didn't have to show much. I, I felt like too, right. I mean, they, they, they basically, you know, like they were, they were, they were up as we talked about some, some pretty media. The only really good defense they played was Utah. Um, you know, and Utah, you know, I mean, still weird year. I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on Morris. I know you're not sold on Morris, right? Like, <laughs> um, and I, I, I mean, Heward basically like cut his senior football season, which is in the spring in Washington short so that he could enroll and be there for spring camp. Um, you know, and there's, there, there's like, you're still looking at it and you're thinking there's no bad player. I mean, there's nobody who's coming in and you're like, oh man, they're going to start a walk. I mean, they're not going to start a walk on. They're not going to start a two star. They're not going to start some three star. Yeah. Like, um, but whether it sort of were, I mean, that's a whole other story. And I just, I felt like Morris, he's, he's your likely starter. You know, I'd be surprised to see anyone other than Morris taking, you know, your first snaps of the year. Um, but you don't, you just, you don't love the way he played last season. It was frustrating at times. Well, it, it, it's, it's bizarre though. Cause so Sam Heward is the number 11 player period in the class, not quarterback yeah. straight. It, I mean, he is the highest rated recruit that they've had in like 10 years or something like that. I have to go back. I forget what player it was. There wasn't one other before him, but I mean, so we're talking like Trevor, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was the number one recruit, but I mean, really, really high rated guy that yep. might not start behind Dylan Morris. Like, uh, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to, to see I mean, if, and, and who knows, like, and if, if you're trying to cut your season in early to get in, I, that whole situation is confusing to me. It's a good problem to have is, you know, you, have this, right. you know, looming juggernaut, uh, hopefully uh, what a lot of Washington fans think, right. You know, waiting for his opportunity. But I just, I want to see what Morris is doing in this offense because I, um, I just don't quite, I don't quite trust it. Uh, the The running backs were interesting. They have a bunch of pretty good guys like Kamari Pleasant, Sean McGrew. We thought we were going to see a lot of Richard Newton. We didn't. I loved him last year. I didn't love him, but I thought he was fun to watch as a true freshman. I really like Newton. I still don't understand. What, it seemed what? like he was in the doghouse. I think that was the problem yeah. with him. There was and and because he he was healthy the last two games, he just didn't play. So yeah. it sounds like they're going to bring him back. He, he's not transferring. So I'm hoping that we see more of him because Pleasant McGrew, I think they average. Now, McGrew averaged like 5.3 yards a carry. Pleasant, a lot less than that. But we saw a lot of Pleasant. I'm wondering if it's because he was more of that. Okay, well, I don't want to I don't want to start coming to conclusions already about the offensive coordinator. But it just struck me with like my, you know, my prejudice of that. Like, oh, it's a nice, safe blocking uh, running back that I can put out there and just know that he's going to be consistent. And I'm like, no, I want Washington to be awesome. I want Washington to right. be gutted down the field, have explosive players. And that guy is not it. Um, but maybe that was just because Newton wasn't there. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know that that, uh, that that whole that whole offense. I just kind of I just I sighed when when I was watching Washington games on the offensive side. But there was only four of them. So do you think they're going to be any better? I mean, they could. I mean, just really, they're like they're. I mean, I, we. I don't love the Donovan hire still, right? Like, and um, it just felt like a hire that's not on. Um, it's 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 a hire that like at least with Moorhead, you felt like Oregon is saying like, hey, I want to win a modern playoff game, right? Like we're you know in the era of big offense, you know we're committing to make a run at it. Donovan felt like a very safe yeah. hire in a lot of ways, right? Like it, it doesn't feel like you're not going out and hiring somebody that's going to produce, you know, explosive offense, you know, big fireworks, that kind of thing. You're not, you're not in the Lincoln Riley range with Donovan. Um, I wouldn't even call it a safe hire because it wasn't no, like he I mean, was like I, for that. Right. Well, I mean, it's just, it, I mean, to go from Bush Hamdan and, and what was it a pretty okay ish middle of the road, sometimes below average power five offense, and bring in Donovan. It just felt, I mean, like Donovan's upside is like a slightly better than middle of the road power five offense. Right. That's, yeah. and it, it felt like last season too, like they just could not find ways to really get playmakers involved, you know, outside the run. I mean, outside like grew had a pretty good year running the football. I thought, um, yeah. you know, but I mean like there, and I also said like, I, you know, I, I think a lot of fans are calling it sort of a wash, on the transfers in and out at, at, at wide receiver, um, you know, but it still feels like, I mean, it feels like Niku is a bit more of a loss for me than I think some Washington fans are admitting, right. That, you know, even with that Michigan speedster coming in, um, you know, in the Texas tech transfer, I, you know, losing Nakua is still a big deal, right? The, the amount of four star, you know, top 300 players, uh, well, maybe say top 500, but the, the the really higher recruits that have left Seattle. Like if that was USC, I mean, imagine what USC fans would be saying right now. I mean, like we can't we can't develop a quarterback. We've lost. I mean, like there's been four four star quarterbacks or five star quarterbacks that have left the program. Now, whether or not they were starting elsewhere is a whole different story. But so that's either you're not evaluating talent well or you're not putting it together well. Um, and then and then with the wide receivers leaving now, I, I know that. What, what happened with um, Nakua going to BYU to be closer to his, to his family and all this. And I get right. that. But I remember a couple of years ago when we were doing this, I was so excited about the wide receivers at Washington. I'm like, holy crap, like we, they have Spiker and Ty Jones and uh, Puka Nakua and Osborne. I mean, like these were all really interesting pieces and never really produced. And it was two years ago, Rob, where we were wondering, like, are these guys going to see the field early? And they didn't. It was yeah. the the safe, regular old guys, <laughs> and I just right. gosh, I, I I I'm hoping that the people that they have coming in because they they also have recruited incredibly well at the at the wide receiver position again. So it's not right. like they are going to lack talent. It's can they get on the field and really be productive in the pass game? Because Washington has to do that if they're going to try to compete for like a real Pac-12 championship this year. Yeah, absolutely, and it's you know there I think that they're you know you still love what they have going in the tight end position. That's been a real staple for Washington. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, but I just, I don't, all of a sudden you're looking around and again, you've got what feels like a, a, a bunch of unproven receivers, right? Um, you know, like the guy they're bringing in from Michigan has, has track speed. He couldn't crack the lineup on a pretty middle of the road with Michigan off. <laughs> You know, and, and I don't think that I don't think that middle of the road Michigan offense is necessarily the players' fault. I don't think they've been able to get it going, you know, with the play calling. But you know, I mean, uh, so with some guys, I mean, the transfer, like, I mean, not being able to really crack the starting, like, you know, lineup. I mean, I, I I think that the Texas Tech transfer, you know, Polk, I I think is is you know some good experience size that they're adding in. And that's yeah. where I, I guess it sort of worries me a little bit more too, is like, you know, without Nakua there at the outside, there's some highly regarded players they have. They just don't have a lot of experience. I mean, anything else, I guess like we, let's save the offensive line for another time. I mean, we're going to take deep dives into all of these. They return everybody, um, you know, so I guess we, we can talk about it if you want. They didn't give up a sack, weren't great in run blocking. Um, and they've recruited like a gazillion, you know, <laughs> blue chip players. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I like, I mean, I, I like the line. They were, um, 
you know, and in particular, I do want to call, I mean, they've lost so many people, right? And yet they were, they, they were pretty good last season, right? Now, again, they weren't having you get Oregon State and Arizona. You're not necessarily tested immensely yeah. there. Um, but, you know, like, I think you have to feel pretty good if you're a Washington fan about the offensive line coming into this season. All right, let's get to the defense because that is going to be super fun to talk about. And let's do it right after this. We're back talking Washington, Washington defense, and the uh, front seven. So, so you know, Thule Latulagasanoa was injured for a couple games last year, and I was really excited to see him. First of all, I should say that Washington got a bad a bad hand dealt to them last year because they they lose a Digazua um, to the NFL, and he so he just sits out. I was like, right. ah, dang it, really wanted to see him. Um, and so they have some interesting people behind him. Um, but then Latua Gasanoa gets hurt. So now it's like Sam Tamani and some other players. And I mean, like they, they have these big giant bodies that, that I think are going to put it together to get that yeah. push along the line. We just haven't quite seen it yet. I, I, I'm, I'm fairly confident that they'll be pretty good, particularly with Latua Gasanoa back. Um, I mean, Jack Abandis is somebody that they're pretty excited about and they've recruited pretty well uh, with those big guys, which, which, which a lot of PAC 12 teams haven't Rob. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I like, um, you know, what you have here. They didn't have a really big run pass split last season, 21, an effective rush, 20, an effective pass. Um, you know, they were, and they, they mostly were able to, and, and, you know, with Washington, it feels like their best rushers are really coming out of the linebackers, um, you know, for the past couple of years they've, they've been pretty good out of that front seven though and generating and even with ztf's you know dev- I mean, really that's a, such a bummer injury so um <laughs> like that that I mean, that said like you i still feel feel really good that washington's going to be able to put together a really good pass rush like rush again you know the the question we really had for them and they for the most part answered it in a positive way was being able to stop the run without Odigazua in there Washington at times is really running what looks like a two man front um you know as far as like the actual players that they have on the field um you know so i i think that for for them like you know having some more depth you know having some guys that got a little bit of seasoning last season. I, I, I like, I, I like this, you know, the, this front seven a lot, even, like I said, even with the injury to somebody like ZTF and, you know, Odigazua and, you know, Joe Tryon having really moved on. Yeah. One of the things that we, when we were interviewing Hithliday on, on just the Pac-12 in general, his big, his big problem was with the inside linebackers. I thought Olafoscio was, was good last year. I, I actually really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, Sermon was not quite at the, well, not, he just wasn't at the same level. Um, and I think that you're going to see people push for that. Like Josh Calvert was somebody that was injured. He was a top 15 linebacker in 2018 on the inside. Um, they recruited a couple other people that, uh, a couple other players that have that like blue chip kind of vibe to them. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to unseat him. But I think he was kind of the weak spot on the Ilifoscio wasn't just tackling people that ran to him. He was kind of where he needed to be most of the time. At least that yeah. was my impression of him. Yeah, no, I think their their inside linebacker position in particular, if you look at the last couple of years, you really feel like they've had you feel like you've had a few too many. Oh, it's another walk on. <laughs> right. Um, and then to be in a position, I think, where they're developing players that they've recruited in on scholarship. Uh, and, you know, Ulifoscio just does a tremendous, you know, a tremendous amount of talent. I think, you know, he's, and he's only a red shirt sophomore. I mean, you're looking at somebody that if he, you know, sticks around really, I, I, I think could have be poised this year for a very big year. Um, you know, and if he's around another year, it could be, you know, one of the top inside linebackers in college football. And they have some interesting pieces on the edge. Savelle Smalls returns struggled a little bit. I mean, he was a gosh, like a top five player. I mean, he was just yeah. really, really five-star, like lots of hype that came in. Um, and that's fine. Like it was, a, it was a bizarre year. He was a true freshman. So I'm hoping that he's able to really um, just learn and and just explode this year because it'd be really fun to have another player um, on the field that's just like blowing people out of the water. Uh, Braylon Trice, Ryan Bowman returns. I, mean, I, I think there's, there's, there's enough there. It is. It does suck though. Like losing ZTF is that's the worst. I'm so bummed about that because when we think about players that um, that are poised to have just a huge year, I mean, there's not 
like there's probably what like five of them that you can think of on the defensive front and and he was one of them and so now we're down to like four yeah. <laughs> it really sucks right um but i guess i guess really the story is the secondary right usually the secondary is pretty good i think even washington fans would say that their safety play last year was fine but not elite and uh, but they do return just a ton of players. I mean, I, I think this is this is Jimmy Lake's specialty. This is where he wants to plant his flag. How how optimistic are you about the secondary going into this year? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm optimistic about the secondary, and I think that that um, you know that's going to. I think that really it's been the calling card of this Washington team, right? I mean, they've been in. You know, Washington two years ago played 70% of their snaps in dime, right? I mean, they're putting their best players in the field as, you know, as much as they can. I mean, and, and you know, you love, I mean, man, McDuffie, you, know, you have some guys that, you know, really you're looking at and thinking, you know, these guys are going to be high draft picks in all likelihood. I mean, McDuffie in particular, I think. I, I I like this. I think the secondary is still going to be excellent this year and, and, and sort of be the heart of the team. Um, as they have been, so I'm I'm not I'm not too too worried about it. I mean, the question I guess I have is like, you know, Bob Gregory's now your defensive coordinator, right? I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, again, same same thing on the offensive side. If you're going to compete in this conference and you want to be a blue chip program in this conference, like bringing up here was it the, the inside linebacker coach, right? And that was where the, a lot of the issues were the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's really been. Um, you know, where a lot of their struggles have been. And if you, I think if you'd asked a lot of Washington fans, they wouldn't have been really excited to have Gregory stepping into Phil Kwiatkowski's shoes, right? I mean, Gregory has, you know, in a lot of ways been the least, the least loved of the the position coaches on that defense for the Huskies. I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, I look at it as like, you know, Lake's still your your head coach. If it's not working, he can step in and, and, and take it. But Gregory had some good years at the front end of that Cal run. He had some less good years, of course, at the end of that Cal run. I'm just not, I'm not, you know, I'm, I want to see it. Like you, like anything else, like your mileage may vary on a new play caller. I want to see them, you know, I want to see it work um, in a lot of cases for them. Yeah. And it's, it's similar to what we were talking about with Cal, where, you know, Wilcox ultimately is, is, it's his program. He's a defensive guy. He has the opportunity to take over if he needs to. Um, but he is putting himself in a position where the likelihood of him taking over is higher than if he hired somebody else that was a better play caller. <laughs> and I think that's right, the case yeah. with too. You're just inviting more problems. Um, maybe not. Maybe Gregory is awesome and he just knocks it out of the park. Maybe the the culture at Washington, I would argue the culture at uh, Washington is more set and the identity is more set than it is at Cal, even though Cal has had a really good run of defenses. So I'm not discounting that, but like, I think Washington really knows what it is and it knows what the system is. So if Gregory buys into the system, I guess on paper, it makes sense. But like you've mentioned a lot of times, Rob, calling plays is a skill and we haven't seen that in a while with him. And gosh, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, Washington has the, the pieces but can they like, is the coaching staff up to snuff? Um, otherwise we have another USC on our hands. Yeah, that's the, that's the real fear. I think if you're a Washington fan and you know that, I mean, maybe not a Washington fan. I mean, Washington fans are don't, I probably don't see things quite at that level, but I do worry about, you know, the, you know, and I just previewed Iowa, a team that has really with Bill Parker, the defensive coordinator, put it together, you know, and been pretty decent and good for a number of years but the offense has just been hideous, you know, and, and it's not, it's not as if like Jimmy Lake's employing his kid to be the offensive coordinator, like what's going on at Iowa. But you do feel like with, with, you know, Lake, you know, there that you do feel like with this hire, like, I mean, with, with Jonathan Smith left and Hamdan took over, you felt like it was, you know, there was a little bit of stubbornness really on, on the play calling, um, you know, overall. And it was, you know, with, with Hamden and then this, it, the, you know, the, the, the Donovan hire was a little out of left field. I'm sure the defense can, will continue to be very good. If not, Jimmy Lake will step in and fix it and, and take over play calling duties. But I, I just, it, it is a kind of a bummer. Cause you just, I feel like Washington with the Donovan hire with the, you know, just promoting internally with Gregory and not going out and adding in another great defensive mind and play caller to the staff. 
you know, taking that opportunity to go out and allocate those dollars and spend them to, you know, bring in somebody who's really going to add something that you may not be, you know, you may not have, you know, on staff um, schematically or, or coaching wise, you know, they just feel, it feels like Washington's, you know, last two big hires that they had, you know, for the coordinator positions were just a little, a little underwhelming, I guess you could say. Right. I mean, that you want it. I mean, you want them to, you want, you expect, you want Washington to go out and, and try to make a big hire uh, and get somebody. And, you know, you, you don't want, you don't want to end up in the situation where Washington, you know, sort of settles. And I don't, I don't think Washington fans will let it happen. I mean, I, we interact with them quite a bit. I mean, yeah. I don't think you would yeah. like, I don't think Washington's going to sit back, you know, but four or five years of Washington, you know, and I, I think Jimmy Lake has a, a, a good, you know, unless things go really disastrously, I don't think he's going to feel a lot of pressure for a couple seasons. Um, you know, I mean, and you know, Washington, I mean, Oregon is, Oregon's just, I mean, the Moorhead move was a different move, right? The recruiting at Oregon has been different. If you, I, I would argue, if you're going to take a risk, I, I think that, in, you know, promoting your inside linebackers coach to defensive coordinator is a risk. Um, bringing on Donovan, who flamed out at Penn State, is a risk. Um, and the upside of both of those, I don't think is worth it compared to the safety that it brings to keep the culture. I think that you can get somebody that has bigger upside and might be a little bit more risky while still keeping the culture. I think Jimmy Lake is a really fascinating coach. I, I hope that he does so well at Washington. I really want him to. And the bummer is that he, he you know, um, he takes a job. There's the unexpected retirement. He comes in and like there's momentum and energy and the team is there and they've, re they've recruited really well. And I'm like, all right, like this is the new era for Washington. I'm super excited to watch it. And then it's hire Donovan, hire internally, don't recruit well. <laughs> I'm like, <Yeah>. oh no. <laughs> like I, I just see that even that as a wasted opportunity of building momentum for a program. And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully those hires work out really well and the program keeps going. I just think we have a higher bar for Washington than other teams. Sometimes I always feel so bad because we talk, it, it seems like we're talking down about Washington. It's like, no, but like we want Washington to be in the playoff. Like we want Washington to be a natural, right. like a natural power. And they're going to do it and it's going to be based on Jimmy Lake's system rather than bringing on people that can maybe add a little bit more momentum to that snowball if, if it's rolling down the hill right now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like we really, I think if you're, you know, if you're the Pac-12, you don't want Washington settling into like Iowa range, right? Like where they're consistently yeah. very good, right? You don't want them settling. Like you need like the Pac-12 more than any other conference because they don't have anything like the kind of traditional power that you have at say like Penn state or Michigan, like Ohio state is the clear dominant team in the big 10 right now. However, you have, you know, huge resources devoted to football and happy Valley and in Ann Arbor, you know, and they are absolutely trying to win, you know, and, and, and get like, I mean, that Harbaugh may have gotten an extension. It was an extremely school friendly extension. Like Jim Harbaugh does not have much of a buyout anymore, <laughs> you know, um, you know, cause he's, he's, you know, for, for the standards that they have, you know, he's underperformed. Um, yeah. you know, and we don't have anything like the, you know, in the sec where you have LSU or Georgia or Auburn. I mean, teams that you talk about, like, you know, gotten in on a playoff game. Like, I mean, the, you know, the more analogous team might be, you know, conference might be, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the ACC right now where it's really top heavy with Clemson. Um, yeah. It'd be nice if the Pac-12 had a champion like Clemson running out there, but we don't. Um, and that's, that's sort of like where I, you know, the, the conference can't really afford to have, you know, a team like Washington, an athletic department like Washington, which has a lot of resources at their disposal. They raise a lot of money. Um, you know, they, they do sponsor a lot of sports, but they have to really make football a, a real priority um, uh, there. And it doesn't, I mean, that's the, it, it is a little frustrating because it doesn't always, it doesn't always feel like there's enough pressure on that. I mean, and Peterson, I think didn't enjoy it <laughs> at the end, the pressure that he was getting, <laughs> you know, 
you know, in Seattle, but it, it doesn't feel like in a lot of ways that there's quite enough pressure on, you know, even with his, in his engaged a fan base, even though they're not as big as say an LSU or a Penn state fan base, um, you know, as engaged a fan base as Washington is like, I just wish that there was more pressure on them to really like, and, and on Jimmy, like to really go out and make a big name type, because like Sarkeesian getting hired at Texas. I mean, he went out and hired Kwiatowski. I mean, that was a big move, right? Like you're matching yeah. up the guy that just called, you know, one of the best offenses that beta ranks ever measured. And you're matching him up with a guy who's been a consistently great defensive coordinator in college football. I mean, Texas basically made a big spending move to get there. Right. And like, you want Washington, you know, to make that kind of move to, to, to match the Moorhead hire at Oregon. And I'm not saying this is like a big, not like, I don't want to, anyone to take this as like, I want Washington or I want to knock them down. I want them to be successful. This conference will be more interesting and more fun to cover the more successful the Huskies are. Yeah. And I do think that the, the two, like, so with all that said, the roster Washington has is a very good roster. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, they could win the PAC 12 North this year it's just Absolutely. the biggest things that are stepping in the way are, can they score enough points on offense, which is up to the offensive coordinator that has a shaky track record? And is the defense up to snuff? Uh, you know, and are they going to be able to put together some some pieces, uh, you know, in the front seven? I think the secondary is going to be fine. It's really the front seven where the there are plenty of really good players on this roster. Can they put it together? And the guy that's the defensive coordinator was the one that kind of trailed, I think a lot of the other units as an inside linebackers coach for, for Washington. So yeah. uh, I think that's why we're skeptical. We're not yeah, skeptical. I mean, that's not the right word. We're not, we're not I'm not skeptical. I'm uh, more just those are that, that those are, those are why there are some warning flags. I think that's a better way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, we really love, I mean, I, we've got them projected at 12 and beta rank coming into this season. I mean, it's not like we're really down on the Huskies. I just, it does, it does feel like that there is an artificial ceiling on the squad and it's, it feels like it's, it's not, I, I wouldn't say it's the defensive coaching. I still think they're going to be very, very good there. It does feel like on the offensive side, like, I mean, in this, as, as we talk about like the era of big offense, right? Like if you can't go toe to toe with Alabama or Oklahoma or LS and out like a 2019 LSU in a playoff game or even 2019 Ohio state Clemson's very good on offense. You're, you're going to struggle, right? Like that. If you threw that 2016 Washington squad against LSU, they're going to be a significant, that 2019 LSU or 2020 Alabama, they're going to be, a I big think those underdog. ones are, I mean, like I, those bars are so high though. Like, this, that's that, a, that no, Alabama it is, but team. That's, but isn't that yeah, what we I want, mean, Washington? I, well, yeah, I I would love to have Washington there. I guess more, I just don't see Washington ever getting to that point. My bar for Washington would be, can you compete with Ohio State when they lose to Clemson or they lose to L LSU oh, yeah. by 20? Like, can you can you at least get to the play? I think I think for me, my expectations are, if you're taking over this program and you really want it to get somewhere, at least at least compete for the Pac-12 title and have a chance of getting in the playoff. That's kind of where I'm, that's where I would keep that ceiling for Washington until, you know, even if Lake made all those moves, it's just some of these programs, Rob, they're throwing so much money at it and they're getting so much oh, yeah. more money because of the contracts and stuff. I don't know. No, I mean like the, the new SEC contract is going to change, you know, a lot of the way economics and college football work. You know, you're already talking about, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC operating on a totally different level of income. I mean, you know, what did Michigan State do when they needed when they had a problem? They went and backed up a Brinks truck full of money and gave that problem to Colorado, right? Like, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's true. I mean, it's even true, though, of course, you're talking about like hiring from, you know, I mean, like. Rutgers was able to, you know, Greg Schiano was able to make some pretty decent coordinator hires. Why? Because Rutgers has big 10 money, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's true. In the, and, and it is true in the SEC too, right? I mean, and, you know, Kwiatowski, I, I'm sure did want to, you know, like with, with Peterson gone, it, he may have looked at an opportunity to go like leave a, you know, more of a legacy for himself. Um, but I'm sure Texas also dumped a bunch of money at him to, to, to come yeah. coach there. And, and it does feel like in the Pac-12 that we, you know, that um, that there's not there's not that same kind of commitment, right? And that makes it hard. Like if you don't have 
programs up there that can go out and make those kind of, I mean, like, we're not saying that I'm not saying that like Oregon state has to have Rutgers kind of money. They're, they're not going to, that is not going to happen or Arizona. This <laughs> is not going to happen, but you know, like the, if you, I, I mean, it, you, you become the programs that have to nail the hires and you have to find them before they're expensive and that's yeah. hard. Yeah. And I, I, I like to some extent, I appreciate the money ball aspect of it just because you know, the Pac-12 has fallen behind. So, and we've seen some interesting hire. I thought Herm Edwards was a, like, looking back, that was a really good use of money for ASU. Right. Um, and the hires that he made around him, that mixture of old hands in the NFL and young recruiters and, and just kind of build up the young guys so that they can be able to to coach on, on a coordinator position. I think that was great. Um, you know, Arizona going out and getting Jed Fish, we'll see if he's actually a good coach, but everything he's done so far to get them to a, um, yeah. at least for people to pay attention to them w- was interesting. Jonathan Smith. I mean, like all that stuff at some point I get wary of, oh my gosh, you know, like there are so many hungry people in the world. There's so many problems that we have. And then we're spending a gazillion dollars on football. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. some, sometimes that bothers me where it's like, if only we could be like Alabama. I'm like, well, Alabama's spending like a crap ton of money on football. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's just football. But at the same time, like, I guess I guess the reason I bring up Washington all the time is because uh, I'm not expecting them to spend Alabama money or LSU money. I'm expecting them to spend a decent amount of money for a program that really had some momentum going. I, and, and I don't that's kind of like a squiggly line to draw, but I, that's just that's kind of where I've been with them. So it's been uh, a couple sighs in a row when it comes to their hires and um, and even just their scheme that the offense that they played last year, I'd like to say just like I said with Cal, I'd like to see a year of the uh of what they have like a full year same thing with washington i want to see a full year of that offense because if it is what i saw i'm going to be super disappointed <laughs> but yeah. if they mix more into it because it's a real season then then we could we could be you know next year saying hey that was that was pretty awesome like good job donovan uh, and I, I gosh i hope we say that well and it feels like with the team right like you want to have um like in particular with how, how well they've got the defense figured out, like spend some freaking money on your offense for the lot. Like you're going to waste a top 10 defense, right? Like stop doing that. Like that, that's what, like, I mean, I, when yeah, I previewed yeah. Iowa, I sort of carved out three minutes just to rant about Ferenc employing his kid to run a crap offense. Meanwhile, he's got a regular top 10 defense with Phil Parker. And I'm like, yeah, you may like, Iowa fans may look at this Ferenc era as the golden age of Iowa football where they've been so consistently good, but it's a huge missed opportunity because you're not often going to have, like you've got a guy that is willing to sit there and be your defensive coordinator and you're not willing to go, you're employing your kid instead of taking your money and going out and investing and trying to make, take that next step. And that's what it feels like for Washington. It's just so frustrating about that offensive coordinator hire is, you feel so good about the defense that they run. You feel good about the special teams. You feel really good about the recruiting. I mean, I think certainly in some Washington fans would say they could recruit a little better. I think that's fair given the expectations, but man, that offensive coordinator hire was just not there. And it was frustrating. I mean, like Hamden didn't feel, you know, like he had it either. And I do worry. I mean, I really do worry about with like, too. I mean, like Peterson had that sort of like, we're just going to, it felt like he did a lot of internal promotions, um, you know, and that worked with Boise and it mostly worked with what he was doing with Washington. But I just feel like at some point they got to go out and make a hire and go and maybe go in a, you know, a big or different direction, right. On, you know, on offense and, and really make a run at it. Because if you, if you have a top 10 defense, like, you know, top five defense, some of those years, if you could pair that, you know, with a top, 15 top 10 offense like it, you are talking about a team that can go to the playoff you know yeah northwestern uh, same thing where they had the the great defense and then just the now, now northwestern's offense is significantly worse than washington's offense so i'm not making that comparison but yeah same thing where you have an elite unit and then you just um so anyway we'll we'll keep an eye on that i'm i'm uh, i just i'm really rooting for washington to just just make the step and take that leap. And, and hopefully the Donovan hire was one that was worth it. And, and we'll keep an eye on that, but um, let's end it here, Rob. We have uh, stepped our toe into the North. Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's do, we should do one of the Oregon schools. 
<laughs> and then we got to do Stanford or Washington State. Oh man, let's, I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about coordinator coordinators? I want to yell about like Lance Anderson at Stanford. Man, what's <laughs> that guy got to do to get fired? Um, let's do Oregon, and let's uh, you pick the other one. Uh, let's do the Cougs. Let's cook it up. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, looking forward to that one, and then we'll we'll leave. Oh, it's not necessarily the dregs. I mean, Oregon State could be pretty good. Stanford could be interesting, probably not. But we. <laughs> I think Pritchard's done a line. really good job with that offense. Like I think the offense has been fun and interesting yeah. and different and innovative. And like kudos for that. I think. Oh, the defense is hot garbage. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh! Yeah, how the tables have turned over there. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Twelve Pack Radio, SharpCollegeFootball.com, uh, YouTube, the Sharp College Football. Uh, YouTube channel where all of Rob's stuff are. Listen to him yell at Kirk Ferentz uh, for three minutes in his Iowa preview. Um, and, and where are you at, Rob? Have you gone through all 20, top 25? Or I am what do, number I are you at do right Cincinnati now? right after this. I'll be doing the Bearcats um, and getting caught up. And then I'll be kicking it off with Cal at number 30, starting for 30 through 21. Yeah, I'm excited. Excited for that. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we will catch you next week.